Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Hi, my name is Jack Lundin. I'm president and CEO of Bluestone Resources. Bluestone Resources controls our 100% owned flagship Cerro Blanco gold and silver project located in southern Guatemala. And we are currently advancing with permitting and feasibility study to bring this project forward into the construction phase next year with the goal of achieving first gold in 2024. Brilliant, Jack. How are you? I'm doing really well. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Are you up Are you up in Vancouver or down on site? Where are you hanging out? At the moment, I'm up here in, uh, in Vancouver. Um, so I'm spending the month of June here uh, with the corporate team and then uh, in early July, heading back down south to, uh, to the project. Get the boots on the ground. Good man. Hey, well, look, last time we talked, I thought a really good talk, and I'll direct people to the link below to kind of cover that off because we, we talked about the, the history, the team, the, the, the plan, the strategy, et cetera. Um, definitely go and watch that um, before watching this if you're new to story. Otherwise, we're going to pick up from where we left off. Um, so the, the, the big news of the day is you've been rotating the board. You've rotated a couple of people out and you brought a new person in. What's happening? Well, I think just with the, you know, how the project is advancing and, and the new phase and the new size of the project, it just became, you know, time to look at our team and, and you know, who's doing what. And we needed to tighten up the structure a little bit. So, you know, we've we've moved on uh, and, and really kind of done a reorganization to make this project uh, fit for purpose and, and our team, our organizational structure fit for this project. Because as you know, we... We've changed our development concept, and uh, you know now we are advancing with engineering and de-risking Cerro Blanco. Uh, but what that means is we we need to make sure that we've got uh, the the right team in place for the right phase that we're in at this moment. Okay, so Darren and Rob, uh, John out. Who's coming? Um, so so nobody is actually coming in. We have uh, you know tightened up the the size of our board of directors uh, with with Darren stepping down and and John stepping down. We've moved William Lamb into the role of chairman, and so now our board of directors sits at six, which includes myself. And um, you know this, this this group of directors has been around uh, since before me. I brought in one one other director, Dave DeCare, to uh, to support me. He was the project. Uh, VP of projects at Lundin Gold. He is the VP of projects at Lundin Gold. So I worked with him at Fruta del Norte and he's currently uh, supporting me as a director and joined when I came in last year as a, a CEO. Okay, so you've moved the strategy. We talked about this last time. You've gone from underground to open pit. Market didn't react too well to that. Do you think there's a better understanding of why you've done it now? People have time to digest the numbers? I feel that, you know, it, it took a while to, to really explain where we're at with the project and you know and really get people to understand the the potential here i mean we're dealing with a very robust gold deposit in southern guatemala and the reality is that we need to advance it in the right way because you know you're eliminating so much potential by going with the previous concept and therefore you know explaining to our shareholders which all of them our major shareholders are very supportive of this pivot to, to going to a bigger scale project. Um, you know, it, it took a little bit of time. The gold market did simmer down a little bit in between March and, you know, April, June. It's, it's since come back. We've had a bit of a re revitalization in this uh, space. 
And now as we advance the project and reach our, our targeted milestones, I think people will come around to the, to the story and understand what we're trying to do here is totally makes sense uh, for, for Cerro Blanco, for all stakeholders. Yes, it was an interesting one because you you um, you double the resource, double the production, treble the NPV five, but people were disappointed that it delayed production by a couple of years. That that was the problem, right? I think it was the maybe the you know pushing out the first gold. So we were we were targeting with the underground concept towards the end of 2022, early 2023 for for our first production. Now we're targeting you know around the midpoint of of 2024. Uh, so yes, a delay uh, in in the first uh, first gold date, but you know once you get into production, we're producing a significant amount more. Our, our peak production is more than double that of what we had for the um, underground scenario. And then of course, uh, you know the questions that we are being asked is our feasibility study and and you know how that's advancing, but also the permitting and can we do it in the timeline that we that we've stated. And uh, I think those are kind of two big questions that we we currently get and discussions that I currently have with our, our uh, main shareholders. Okay, well, well let, let's look at the, the, the type of people who are involved here. The, the, the share register is made up of what? So what's the institutional split to, to retail? Uh, I think it's about uh, ha- almost half-half for retail versus, uh, versus institutions. Um, and so, I mean, we've, we've got big names behind us in the institutions, but we've also got the, the Lundin family as a major shareholder and CD Capital is also another major shareholder. Management as well has around 5% of the outstanding shares. So we do have skin in the game here. And that's why I think we've got such a good, uh, good team and good, uh, good share structure because of the support that we have from our, our major shareholders. Right. But the, the retail guys were looking for that re-rate moment because, you know, if, if you look at the stock, it's come off from the, you know, 2020 numbers of last year. Um, getting into production would have solved that problem, presumably. So that so that is, is there is obviously um, disappointment there. What about the institutional guys? Are they less concerned because they can see what you're doing? You're increasing the scale here. I mean, what's the, what's the mood? Uh, honestly, the feedback that we've received from our, our shareholders, both retail and institutional, is has been positive. I mean, they see that this is the right way to advance the project. Uh, and, and the questions are quite consistent across the board. It's just making sure that we can maintain those timelines. And I think in this industry, um, it's, it's oftentimes where until you get into the next phase of the project, there's going to be kind of uncertainty or um, maybe not as much confidence in the in the story until you've demonstrated that you're you are currently you know advancing, and so that's what we're here to do. I mean, we're spending our time making sure we're de-risking the project, making sure that we're spending most of our time in in Guatemala and continuing to engage with our stakeholders, uh, and making sure that we advance the right way uh, in parallel with with all you know all. Uh, involved parties so that everybody understands kind of where we need to go and, and what what's what's needed to get there. Okay, so last time we spoke, you had about 45 million bucks. I, I imagine you spend a bit of that. You said you weren't going to spend too much of that on exploration because you wanted to you wanted to kind of firm up on your ability to get um, you know a resource out by the end of this year, right? So how, how have you gone about spending money with the drill bit or elsewhere for that matter? Yeah, that's right. So right now we we haven't uh, dedicated any of our budget. We've got about $43 million still in the bank today. And we do not have an exploration campaign targeted for 2021, but we will likely kick off an exploration campaign 
in 2022 in parallel to advancing with the Cerro Blanco development because there is a lot of prospectivity in the area and we do think that that can add you know you know more uh, excitement to the story to show that it's not just the Cerro Blanco resource that that is um, what's within kind of that mining concession but there's also other attractive targets there as well um, but right now the the budget is is mainly focused on advancing Cerro Blanco so that we can as I've mentioned get get into that next phase I mean you haven't spent much money since I last spoke it's a couple million bucks just been sitting around waiting to to do what or was that the you know good use of time for you or what I thought you no made. no I mean so 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 right now we are we are spending money on our study and on our our baseline data gathering for um, the you know both social and environmental baseline data for our environment our environmental license that we will be uh, submitting a permit application for uh, towards the end of this year and you know we finished our our drilling we drilled out the surface of the the, the near surface portion of the deposit. And we will be having an updated resource coming out within the next, uh, I call it four or five weeks here. And that will show that the PEA resource is, you know, in line with what our expectations are. And I think we're going to be able to add more ounces based on this uh, surface drilling that we've just completed. So we're definitely very active on all working fronts. I mean, we're, we're advancing both technical and non-technical uh, and working with, you know, making sure that our team is aligned and, and doing it the right way. Okay, so you, you're doing a lot of desktop stuff there, consulting stuff, engineering type stuff. So you're just you're tidying up the, the reporting side of things for the feasibility study, but you're keeping your powder dry with regards to expenditure in the field. Is that what, with an expectation well, of what having to spend a lot of money next year? Well, that's right. I mean, once you finish uh, with with the engineering and and um, the permitting phase, then the next step would be to look at when we need to place orders on long lead items. I mean, we're sufficiently financed to get ourselves through the studying the study and permitting phases, uh, and then we'll need to put together a, a larger project financing package, which we're currently discussing internally. What what strategy we want to use for that? We did go down, you know, far down the line with the syndicate of banks for the project financing for the underground, um, and we will likely reinitiate discussions with that group of banks. And at the same time, now that we have a much bigger project, we've got about 13 million ounces of silver in our resource. There's an opportunity for a, a silver stream as well. So we've got much more optionality for this uh, project financing. But you'll see, it's it's easy to spend money in in the mining space. I mean, you gotta you got to spend a lot before you start making anything. And uh, our budget will show that our expenditures will ramp up as we get closer towards the end of this year. And then in 2022 and 2023 is when we're going to be spending most of the project CapEx. Right. So you, you, you're going to, well, you talked about doing early works late next year. Um, to get into conversations around financing CapEx, you're going to need an equity portion. I mean, 40 million bucks, even if you are really, really careful of that, that's not going to be enough. That's an equity portion of 550 million capex, is it? So, are you expecting to have to go back out to market and get sort out the equity component, or what are the options you've looked at? Right. So, I mean, we've looked at equity stream, uh, bank debt, and you know, there's there's many mechanisms right now that we can look into and, and markets that we can tap into to make sure that we can secure the best project financing that has you know the lowest cost of capital for us, which would in turn be the best option for our shareholders. So 
we're looking at, you know, definitely a lot of different scenarios. And when it comes down to an equity portion, again, we have to see what the results of the feasibility will show and, you know, what, what accessibility we have to, if it's a stream or to a bank facility. But uh, right now, I mean, with, with the cash that we have on hand, we are sufficiently financed to keep advancing the project. And, you know, we are working, you know, night and day to make sure that we're moving the project forward efficiently um, so that we can get ourselves into the construction phase next year. Okay. So this is what you're in control of. You're not in control of permitting. How does that process take? Where are you? You talked about relationships uh, last time. Are they evolving? Yes. So I would say we are we are in control for, for what we need to do on the permitting front. I mean, we are gathering the data that we need. Uh, we finished gathering. We basically, phase one is complete with the, the wet season entering now. So we got the dry season, our flora, fauna, dust, noise, all of the data that we needed to collect in the field for the dry season was, was completed. We've also done a social baseline study as well. And now as we're in the, the wetter months of, of the year, we'll, we'll regather more, more of that data and put it together for our application. And so that's advancing on, on track, on budget. Um, and that part of, of the permitting phase is, is going well and, and we're definitely in control of that. Then it comes to the submission. And if we fill out the right terms of reference and we work with the uh, Ministry of Environment to, to kind of walk through the process and, and the information that is within that application, uh, then we don't see it as a, as a major hurdle for us because we know what's required. And if we fill it out in the right way and we continue to engage and, and, and remain transparent, then I believe that this uh, this permitting will be will be achieved uh, next year. Is it easier for a local company to go through that process than it is for a company like you from Vancouver? That's right. I mean, Bluestone is uh, is a Canadian junior gold developer, but we have a subsidiary down in Guatemala, and that's where we spend most of our time. So it is a Guatemalan company down there, and we're comprised mainly of Guatemalan workforce with you know, several experienced expatriates to help advance the project, both technically and, and non-technically. Um, but you're right. I mean, spending time in Vancouver versus uh, Guatemala City or, or at, at the project site is not as effective. Um, and therefore, this is how in the Lundin group, we approach projects where I personally am spending most of my time down there. And a lot of the executive team is, is going down frequently to ensure that they're providing as much support to the local team as possible. And that's what it takes to, to move the project, uh, any given project across the line. And um, and we're doing just that. Okay, again, boots on the ground. Um, it's good, well, because it's always a tricky, it's a, it's, a, it's a tricky one at the moment because the market seems quite sensitive to sort of stories coming out of South America in its broadest context, okay? In its widest context, I should say. We've had, you know, elections, are happening at the moment in Peru, Chile. We've had, you know, previously Mexico, Ecuador. We've had lo lots of negative chat, so socialism, anti-mining rhetoric. Um, so the market sentiment is, is is just slightly heightened and aware of that. Do you, do you find that people are maybe a little bit sensitive to South American projects at the moment? Are you seeing that? Uh, yeah, we're definitely seeing that in in, in countries like Chile and Peru and Argentina. Um, you know, Ecuador for a time, they're done with their election now and, and things seem to be stabilized. So, um, of course, it's uh, there's there's uncertainty and, you know, throw in the, the pandemic 
and you're adding even more uh, global uncertainty, which goes into geopolitical uncertainty. But you know, you have to have an appetite as an investor to to go in and see if you want to invest in in companies that have this upside potential. You really got to make sure that the the team involved is spending time doing the homework and understanding not just the the economics and and engineering of of the project, but everything else, all of the other outside influences. And again, as we as we talked about, Matt, I mean, it, it requires us to spend time in country and, and work with uh, the stakeholders to kind of understand how things are trending and what what changes may occur. Um, there there is political instability in, in Latin America, but there is, I think, all around the world at the moment. And you know, we're comfortable in this region. We've been there as a Lundin group. We've been there for over 30 years. So. Um, you know, I think, again, you just have to do your homework, understand what's going on uh, in the environment around. And with that, I mean, maintaining and controlling what you can control. And, uh, and, and then you, you just you just have to keep keep focusing on advancing uh, efficiently, uh, safely and uh, in the in the proper context of where you're located. So do people consider you local? I mean, you're just, you know, foreigners, aren't you? Coming, coming, coming in there. Are you? Are you getting involved how involved are you getting what are you giving back why would they consider you a friend right so i mean we're not considered i i would consider myself a guest in that in in guatemala um but i'm you know considering myself somebody that's ready to be there for the long term uh with with sarah blanco and, and ready to commit for the long term to the you know local communities and where sarah blanco is located um you know i'm pretty proud to say that we just recently kicked off an adult education program down in the uh, neighboring communities of where the Cerro Blanco mine is located. And what we're doing there is trying to build out capacity. So starting with education, rapid high school advancement courses, which will then make these candidates eligible to go into a, a bigger training program with a vocational school that we are partnering up with that can then focus on training for the construction phase and training for the operations phase. So it's, uh, you know, these are the early days of how you start to really get the um, workforce prepared for moving the project forward. So these are things that we, we, we start now and we, you know, we continue to do for the life of the project, building out the capacity and trying to support the communities as much as we, we can by building, uh, building skills that are required not just for mining, but for for other industries as well, um, and and I think that's that's what we can do to prove that we're we're here for the long term. You know, setting the foundation in that matter. Another area is with local supplier development uh, to ensure that we are working with companies that could supply the the mine for many years to come, and that helps. That that's being helped with the Lundin Foundation, uh, which I think we talked about in the last presentation. Um, where we, we partner up with the Lundin Foundation to, to work with setting up these initiatives in, in, uh, in country. Do you find it frustrating that people aren't talking to you about the mining element of this? Or maybe, maybe, maybe it's a compliment. They assume that you, you, you've done a really cracking job on the, on the mining component, the operational component, the you know, PEAs, some nice numbers and feasibility. Let's hope they, they improve and you know, maybe reduce the contingency, but but they're spending so much time talking about the difficulty of doing business in country. To, to you, is it water for ducks back, or should they be looking elsewhere? 
No, I think it's it's important to understand the you know the main concerns of of our shareholders, and I, it, it makes sense. I mean, this project, when you look at the economics, uh, you know, technically and economically, it's a slam dunk. It's a great project, and you know, we've got a significant amount of gold and a even more significant amount of silver near surface. Great geology, uh, great mineralogy. So simple processing flow sheet. All of that is what gives us the reason to continue advancing and putting as much focus as we as we have been. Um, so, so those boxes are quick to check as an investor. Then the next question is, okay, well, what are you doing to establish the relationships? What are you doing to make sure you can meet project timelines? Uh, and that, that, that's when the non-technical aspect comes in. And that's, that's what, you know, can be much more complex uh, and much more important because we need to ensure that people understand what it takes to move a project forward and how we intend to do that with the, you know, with the, con- the host country. And how, okay, okay, I, pre- I do appreciate that. With regards to how you time a, a project, okay, obviously there's the, there's the market in terms of time in the market with the commodity prices and so forth, but in terms of, you know, you've got it to a certain size and you say, right, okay, that's big enough. It's covered, okay, 11 years life of mine's got reasonable economics on it, 2.6, two and a half year payback, nice IRR. We'll just stop here. It's big enough. We know it can be bigger, but we don't want the capex to get too out of control here. So you, is, is that a sort of normal model within the Lundin group or is it a case by case basis? Because, you know, we, we interview companies where it need, you know, billion, a couple of billion capex. And that's, a, that's tough to find, isn't it? Um, well, yeah, I mean, Again, when you look at a, from a technical standpoint, when you look at a mineral deposit, you really need to study it and ensure that you're taking the best approach to maximize the, the amount of, you know, the, the, the economic viability, the amount of value that you can extract from a deposit based on where it resides underground, what its shape is, how, how it's going to perform when you're putting it through a mineral processing facility. And then of course, the footprint uh, and and you know where you're at. So it's, it, it, there's many factors that go into determining the size of the project. And for us, I mean, we want to make sure that we are. You know, yes, we're going with an open pit, so it's it's going to be a larger footprint. But even with with that larger footprint, you can look at minimizing things and optimizing the the uh, pit design so that we are you know looking at keeping everything as as tight as possible. Uh, without having as much surface disturbance as if we were to say, okay, we're, you know, we're in a much more remote location and we can, we can go bigger Then let's do it. We have to keep in mind that we have neighbors around us and we want to make sure that they understand we are doing everything we can to, to make sure that this is fit for the environment. It's the right size based on the location of where we're at and based on, you know, how many benefits are going to be coming out of this, uh, out of this project. And I think, you put all of that together and you need to get a very diverse team of people to ensure that you're, you're maintaining a good, um, you know, good, uh, good partnership with, with everybody. Okay. So what are we looking forward to at the end of this year? EIA update, resource update? Yes. So what we'll be doing, the next thing, the next catalyst for Bluestone Resources is going to be a resource update within the next month. And then that will be what's leading into our optimized mine plan. And our optimized mine plan is what feeds the majority of the, the feasibility study. So we'll be continuing to de-risk from an engineering standpoint throughout the year. We should finalize the feasibility study uh, in early Q1 next year. 
uh, and then we will submit our permit application uh, by the end of this year. And next year, once we advance the project and have the feasibility study complete, we'll look at putting a project financing package in place. And then upon receipt, uh, receival of the, uh, the environmental license, then we'll continue to advance with the early works or early construction phase. Uh, and 2023 is going to be our big year for, for the construction. And 2024 is when we're hoping to get into uh, first production. Great stuff, Jack. Appreciate you coming on. We'll speak to you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.